0: Good morning. morning. It is so good to be with you today and have the opportunity to bring the word that we have been assigned to study as we are working through this series on the Beatitudes. I have been um, looking at this for several weeks. It reminds me of a Saturday morning in October when my family hopped in the van and started to take a two-hour little journey. Now, if you saw us in the Thorntons on the way or as we're riding down the highway, you would not have to think very hard to figure out where we were going or what we were about to participate in. We were on our way for the first time, the six of us, to watch the Ohio State Buckeyes in their stadium play a football game. Within five miles of Columbus, you could see the signs and symptoms of the Buckeyes playing at the shoe that day. The sea of red, the flags, the tailgating, as we parked all kinds of places offering you to pay $35, $40, $50 to use their parking lot that day you parked you saw tailgating you could smell the hot dogs and burgers you could hear the fight song you saw exactly where to go without a gps towards the stadium because that's where the sea of red was moving towards and so we did we finally made it walking several miles and wow there she is the shoe wow and Masses of people took their seats that day, and we were there for it. The cheers, the traditions, waiting for the script Ohio and the bone player to dot the I, we were there in person. It was an exciting day, and those Buckeyes did bring home a victory, and all the fans went out, masked out of that stadium, literally into the sunset. It a beautiful evening, happy, full of joy. The Buckeyes won. I was thinking about this Sunday, and honestly, I was really hoping praying, but God obviously didn't care, that the Bengals would be in the Super Bowl today. How fun would that be to preach on Super Bowl Sunday? But that didn't happen, because I believe there was a bigger story in the news happening this week that we were turning our hearts towards. Many people have been talking about it and hearing about the Asbury Revival, where students and Even people who aren't students anymore, friends of mine are driving a few hours to go and be a part. Massive people loading up their cars, moving towards the action. How is the Spirit moving and I want to be a part of that. And the posture that you see in the pictures and the the students and the people are taking is a posture of reverence and prayer and God's doing something in that place and in their hearts and They're being formed and shaped, not into Buckeye fans, but they're being formed and shaped into followers that look more like Jesus. And our text today brings us to a passage, a sermon, the very words of our Lord that teach us how to look and be like a follower of Jesus. And I'm going to invite you to stand today as we read over these Beatitudes that we've been studying. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And today, our passage, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Thank you. You may be seated. Amen shalom Shalom. (laughs) i come in peace that's the kind of greeting you would have heard the people sharing in the time of our passage today when they greet one another it would not have been hello what's up it would have been shalom i come in peace the word peace was very important to the hearers of this message They lived in a time that lacked a lot of peace. They lived in a time where there were cultures fighting against one another and empires seeking to gain power and control that were constantly in opposition to one another. Shalom, as the people would have greeted one another, would have let each other know, I come in peace. Don't fear No harm, as I've been looking at the text over the last few weeks, and I love digging in deep and reading all the commentaries, I probably had about 10 sermons out of this one. It's hard to cut back, but I sat before the text, reading, reflecting, praying, preparing, listening to the spirit tutor me on how to share this word, And i got this picture of jesus sitting next to me and the text looking at me looking at the text looking at me and suddenly he just looks up oh father houston we have a problem have you ever felt that way when you've approached the scripture when you've come before the word of god and there identifies in you something that needs to be addressed. My professors in my graduate study have been teaching us, and we remind one another that in order to be able to bring the word to someone else, it must first wreck you. So I wanna assure you today, all that I'm sharing comes from a place where I have first been wrecked by this message of blessed are the peacemakers. The Gospel of Matthew, we're five chapters in, but it begins with this beautiful story of Jesus sleeping in heavenly peace while his parents are running and hiding for their lives to keep Jesus alive. Peace was hard to find for these people today. How do we identify in this passage? I think there are many ways. They would have been hearing for their entire lives, these hearers, prophecy from Isaiah and Zechariah, prince of peace. There will be one who will come to save you, and you will call him prince of peace. They were longing. They were waiting for this peace. Their minds were been shaping and formed by culture, by a kingdom like Rome, who also longed for peace, but the way they sought to establish peace was by force, was by powering over the other, by conquering the enemy, by taking them down even death on a cross. They, in Rome, lived by this mantra, this way of thinking called the Pax Romana, where we win and we establish peace when we reign over the others, when we hold back our enemy, when we fight them strongly enough that we hold them back and they lack no power to come against us. Peace. But Shalom if we take time to look at this passage in its most robust and beautiful form, goes beyond simply not fighting. The people hearing this word today would know the word shalom. It means complete, wholeness, flourishing, wellness, and prosperity in your life. A picture of peace for them would be a wall, a structure like they lived with around their cities and their homes without cracks, without missing bricks, without weak places where your enemy could come against you. Shalom was a strong wall, a fortress around you protecting you and your safety. But Jesus is using this word today in a way that he wants them to reimagine there's more to peace than simply not fighting. Jesus has been living out this peace in front of them during his ministry. The people that are following, the masses of people sitting on this mountainside in this text, listening to him that day, had been seeing this amazing human but divine ushering in peace in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of places. He was healing the sick, the blind were seeing. The lame were made to walk. The lepers were healed and no longer cast out from society. I imagine the countenance of Jesus, even the way he spoke, just brought this sense of shalom over them. And they were listening. I wonder if Jesus, during this time, had begun to notice the way the Israelites, the people of God, the people who had been taught shalom, memorized the passages and the prophecy about shalom, spoke it weekly, sometimes daily. If he noticed there was something off, If he was beginning to see the way culture and the Roman life was pulling on them and tugging them and shaping their desires to be fans of a different kingdom, contrary to the kingdom of God, that happens. It happens to us. In his book, James K.A. Smith, Desiring the Kingdom, urges the readers to consider the ways culture is influencing our worship and the way we go about living as the children of God. It's very interesting. He shares that executives from companies like Nike and the Green Mermaid Coffee Place, will they have sent out their marketing executives to go and purposely meet Religious institutions and people and places that worship God and to figure out how you get your people to worship a God you can't see, you can't smell, you can't touch, and in their minds you can't hear or experience their presence. And they did. They figured some things out and they took that back to their companies. And I think you might agree with me that it worked probably everyone in this room you've purchased a drink at the green mermaid you've probably purchased something with that little swoosh on it it worked whatever they've done our hearts desires have been turned towards those things to desiring those things you might not know this, I looked this up, but the statistics say today, tonight, when you're watching the Super Bowl, those 30-second ads, companies have paid $7 million to turn your heart toward what they want you to buy. $7 million for 30 seconds ad. Why would they be willing to do that? it works. Our hearts were made to desire. Our hearts were made to long for things, to flourish us, to improve our well-being, to bring us peace in life. But culture tells us a different message of what will do that. And so we have bought into it sometimes. The good news is Jesus teaches us a different way of belonging in the world. The Beatitudes. The good news is if Jesus says it, that means it's possible for us to live like that. Jesus starts preaching to them, blessed are the peacemakers. They're hearing it. They've been worshiping with him. They've been participating with him. Jesus is teaching them that to be a peacemaker goes beyond not fighting, not being in chaos. Shalom means being willing to step into places of brokenness and use your life to bring repair, peacemaking, happiest are the peacemakers. The word blessed can be translated into happiest. Happier is your life if you commit to peacemaking. I've experienced this in a way. Um, Being able to go on some mission trips, I've had opportunity where my whole day is all about being about the Father's business. And I know that my role there is to be a peacemaker and i have found no greater contentment than when i'm in that role and in fact when i've come back i had a couple friends say your your face is glowing (laughs) i'm happy (laughs) blessed are peacemakers happiest are those who go about the business of being peacemakers this is not easy work Our nature, our bent, (laughs) but for the grace of God, but for the grace of God, often is to not be people who make peace. We keep peace, but we often struggle to become the ones who step into making peace. If you looked at some other translations of this passage, it says How joyful are you when you make peace, for then you will be recognized as the children of God. Finding shalom was like, in this day, finding this perfect stone for your wall of protection that had no cracks and no blemishes and no broken or weak pieces. That's what shalom meant. And Jesus made a way for us to be peacemakers. Because Jesus made a way for me and you to find peace. That's how we can do this. Jesus becoming the ultimate peacemaker, the prince of peace as the prophecy said, made a way for me to make peace with God. And don't you know that there were peacemakers that God sent along into my life, along my journey? Praise God for those people who were willing to step into the brokenness and fill the peace in my life. And still to this day, even the last several days, There are people who have extended peace, who have become peacemakers in my life. Praise God for those peacemakers. I wonder if Jesus, after rubbing shoulders with the people in this day, and and Jesus only speaks, the book of John says, what the Father tells him to speak, so we can be assured that this message is from the Father, that Jesus is recognizing they're a little confused about what being a peacemaker means i think that jesus again is like houston i've been down here for a while we have a problem your children their hearts they're shifting they're being a little influenced by the culture around them by the ways that rome tells them to find peace and they wanted Jesus to come and be that kind of king that kind of leader but Jesus comes healing Jesus comes giving of himself pouring out himself and then he says you make peace with me I don't know, maybe some of you are sitting there thinking that sounds great, and I wanna be that, and I've tried that, but my body's weary, my pockets are empty. I I could tell you about all the ways I've been trying to make peace in this situation, and I have nothing left. And you might say, you don't know my coworkers. You haven't met my neighbors. That's why you're here. That's why you've come today. You see, God, from the beginning of time, had a plan for us to worship God and to be in relationship with one another for the purpose of turning our hearts towards Him. Do you know that the beat of the drums in your services are for the purpose of getting your heart to beat like His? Do you know that when I come into worship after being pulled on by the world all week about the ways I should go about making peace, I need this place to recalibrate my heart to think like Jesus. I need the scripture, I need the prayer, I need the sermon, and I need the lyrics that have been purposely chosen and not Paid $7 million for your 30-second attention span. (laughs) But on purpose, Christ is my firm foundation. Oh, how I needed that reminder today. I've got peace that makes no sense how I needed my heart to know. I'm not going under. Good news. Guess what? We're not going under. Celebrate. I mean, the Buckeyes, they celebrate when there's good news. That stadium is full of all kinds of liturgies you don't even know they're doing to get your attention. The songs, the chants, the up and down, it gets into your skin. And if you weren't a fan before you got there, you're really thinking about becoming one now because this is cool. Your worship matters. Your coming in and your going out should be a rhythm of your life that you incorporate so that you become the peacemaker God wants you to be. I can't be that without this. I can't be that without meeting with my girls on Sunday mornings. They help me think about what it means to make peace in the world that goes beyond just No conflict. The peacemaking efforts of God's people can change a family. It changed mine. The peacemaking efforts of the church can change one another. When I come into worship, I need my brother here. I need to worship with him because I need to see the way he worships, and it does something to me. It recalibrates my heart. It tunes my heart to sing thy praise with him. And happiest are we who are peacemakers. That's the word we're given because then we're identified as the children of God. It's not that if you aren't a peacemaker or you mess up or you have some bumps and bruises because we know these followers right here. Well, it was just weeks or days They messed up, they blew it, but in God's grace, he's constantly running after you. All my life, you have been faithful. Your goodness is running after, running after me. We worship God today and we celebrate that together. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit all throughout our week. All throughout our lives, morning, night, day, whatever kinds of practices that you need to put into your day to help your heart be tuned, to sing God's praise, to incorporate God's character, do it. You won't regret it. I mean, Jesus says, Happier will you be if you do. Happier will you be. When Jesus shares this word to them, He is telling them, I'm not asking you to do something I haven't already done. He reconciled our life so we can find peace. But he doesn't stop there. It's not just peace for the sake of making peace. It's peace for the sake of being the one who goes and makes peace for others to flourish. I I was driving down Route 4 into Middletown. You may have seen this, but there's a sign there. It's been there for decades, and it says, Welcome to Middletown. Home of NFL all-star. Chris Carter. Chris Carter. Go Buckeyes. (laughs) Chris Carter. Chris Carter. Wow. He has a sign. To recognize this is his home. A whole sign just for him. I was thinking about that. And I thought wouldn't it be cool. If Pastor Alex gets a call. From some city leaders. Some council people. Some committee leaders in our community. And they say. Pastor Alex. Wow. Your people are like everywhere. They're Bringing peace to all kinds of places in our community. Wow, do you mind? We think it would be really good for our community if we put a sign out on Tylersville Road that says, Welcome to Westchester, home of the peacemakers. Do we want to be known? as people who just don't cause chaos? Or do we want to be known as people of shalom? I'm looking around this room, I'm talking to the peacemakers, I know that today. I've seen the way over your lives that you have made peace and you have demonstrated to me the way to go about being a peacemaker. I've seen you teach children to read. I've seen you teach children English. I've seen you give a cup of cold water, open the doors for people to have clothing on their bodies and food in their stomachs, to travel thousands of miles to make peace in other places. I've seen you walk across the room. I've seen teenagers do this walk across the room and and introduce themselves to somebody new. Shalom, I come in peace. Welcome to our community, home of the peacemakers. This peacemaking business is hard. Jesus promised it would be. Look what it cost him. What did it cost your peacemaker to make peace with you? We cannot always control the outcome of our peacemaking efforts. I want you to see this video. This is the Little League World Series just this past October. Take a look at this picture of peace that's not just void of conflict but making peace. You hear that? The announcers are like, what a stud right there. It's 12 years old, stud. Peacemaking. The Little League World Series is on the line here, guys. Don't you realize that? And there were actually some, what one friend I had called knuckleheads not really a peacemaking word we use, but some knuckleheads on Twitter that were like, that's ridiculous. Don't they know this is the World Series? We're not teaching these young boys to play patty cake on the mound. that's That's what the culture, that's what culture's telling you throughout the week. But Jesus and his word tells us something counterculture. Blessed are peacemakers. You will be identified as children of God. Happier will you be. This boy was interviewed. The pitcher was interviewed. They were on news stations. You can look this stuff up. They were on news stations later. Caden, the pitcher, Um, When asked about the situation, this is what this 12-year-old says, and these boys became buddies and friends, and they like play video games together and stuff. It's cool. He said, Caden says, some really important theology here for us today. I think the lesson is that you should care for other people. Like, if they're down, you should just care for them. Try to build them up. Isaiah the batter was later interviewed, and when they asked him, why'd you do that? And he said, well, when I got to first base and I saw that Caden was crying, I just thought, that's what Jesus would want me to do. Move toward the brokenness. It wasn't enough to say, hey, I'm good. I, I made it to first base. No foul. No no harm. It wasn't enough. You see, Isaiah has been raised in a Christian home, and so he knows that peacemaking means that more sacred action has to take place in our life, moving towards being the peacemakers. What's beautiful about this video in a world that tries to prepare our imagination to see all of life as conflict is that here are two boys making peace. Peace that makes no sense. I think the lesson's clear, and the lesson what Jesus is telling us here, if they're down, you should care for other people. You should try to build them up. When their lives are cracking, when circumstances threaten to take them down, we, the children of God, are sent into the world as peacemakers. Romans 4 19 says when we build one another up and do what leads to peace we are acting like children of god let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification peacemaker did you notice in this video one of the most powerful images that stood out to me after i've watched it since october was the motion that Isaiah makes on first base. When he begins to feel the pull to go be a peacemaker, he takes off his helmet and tosses it. That's a picture to me of him taking off all the ways that he's found identity and significance in the world and casting that aside because this matters more right now than being a ball player than being the little world series champ which he's probably dreamed about and he said he had since he was little peace making when you encounter shalom it should do something to you it should do something to me i've been wrecked by it and this past few weeks in every relationship I've encountered in my life. Am I just keeping the peace? Or am I going and trying to offer flourishing, wholeness and healing to people who need it? The good news is, we can do this. The author of the book I read tells a story and he says he grew up When he was just, um, I think, a teenager, his dad left his mom, kicked them out of the house, him and his brother, and moved in his girlfriend and their children, and those children moved into his bedroom. A few years later, his mom remarried, and he thought, finally, an opportunity for me to have a father figure in my life. Well, that didn't take long, and he left too. Years later, this author is married, and his father-in-law, who had meant so much to him and had been pivotal in his salvation story also leaves so the author's left with this kind of weird thing of knowing god as his father and his caretaker and his peacemaker yet there's this tension of not really understanding how that plays out in his life and he shares that it wasn't until he stood in the back of a worship service and the benediction not the sermon not the music not the the benediction of the pastor raising his arms out towards the people and praying a prayer of blessing over them became in him a pivotal moment where he realized, God cares for me. God loves me. And so from that day on, he receives his benediction with his arms open as a way to remind himself I receive your love, Father. I receive your care. I receive the peace that you offer me so that I can go out and be a peacemaker in the world around me. We're gonna sing today a song to end. Lord, I need you. And as we sing, I I would like you to respond. Now, as I said, you are the peacemakers. But maybe today you're like me and God has wrecked this text in your life in a way because you recognize there's some other way that God's been calling you to be a peacemaker. Maybe you're not quite comfortable. Maybe you're scared. Maybe you feel ill-equipped. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're weary. And maybe today you need to do a motion towards God to symbolize your willingness to be a peacemaker. As we sing today, I invite you, if you hear God saying, I need you to go make peace, I want you to be a peacemaker, and you're agreeing, I want you to stand And let those around you begin to make peace along with you. Let them pray for you. Maybe you want to raise your hand and the people around you will move towards you and pray over you to be the peacemaker you need to be. Maybe you, like me, love the altar. Where it is a place of this motion of getting out up and humbling myself before God, because I know I don't have all it takes on my own to become the peacemaker God needs me to be. Maybe you want to kneel at your chair. Maybe you want to sit quietly and reflect and pray. Whatever your motion needs to be today, would you do that? And then if there are people near you, would you respond? I know there's some in this room today, I know your stories, and I know the deep peace making measures God is asking you to be a participant in and it is hard, but you're willing. And guess what, you're not going under, you have the Prince of Peace. Let's respond today.